With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. Nothing feels as good as making others feel good. Those so-called feel-good holiday films? They can't hold a gingerbread-scented candle to the feeling of giving them something that gives them all the feels. Make this December one to remember. Together. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Here's what's cooking on the day's Sports Stove podcast. We continue our college football preview episodes with two conferences today, the Big 12 and the Pac-12. That and just a little bit more. That's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove podcast. From Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network, you're listening to the Sports Stove podcast with your host, Vince Stover. Welcome in to a new edition of the Sports Stove Podcast live for you on Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook. Thank you for tuning in today as we continue our college football previews. We're going to actually wrap them up this week, but today we're covering two conferences, the Big 12 and the Pac-12. A lot to talk about in a very short amount of time. Uh, I am joined again as I am most of the day, most days by my dad, Dale Stover. Dad, how you doing today? Doing good, doing good. Love talking football, and this has been fun going through these colleges and start thinking about college football. Yeah, it's it's hard to believe that we're really close. Actually, I believe this Sunday is the Hall of Fame game in the NFL, and uh, so we're already in football season, and uh, college football is just around the corner. I live in a college town, Lexington, Kentucky, and so things are definitely kicking up here. Dad's not too far from several colleges. Uh, there in Ohio as well. So a lot of talk going on there as well. Before we get to the previews, I want to take just two minutes and talk about some other stuff going on in the world of sports. First of all, the NBA has gone absolutely bonkers. Uh, free agency has started and uh, teams are signing guys left and right. They're trying to kind of catch up with uh, Major League Baseball after an incredible trade deadline for Major League Baseball. The NBA has just gone crazy. The Lakers have basically gone to the uh, senior home and got as many guys as they could um, out of retirement to come play. So uh, they pick up Carmelo. Uh, they got Trevor Ariza, Dwight Howard, Wayne Ellington. Uh, Kent Bazemore is there. Malik Monk, he's one of the younger guys. Uh, he signs with the Lakers as well. The Nets get a little bit better. They bring in Patty Mills uh, to help out at that backup point guard as well as others. Blake resigns there. The Milwaukee Bucks lose a couple guys, but they bring back Portis. 
They also bring in some shooting in Rodney Hood, and Semi Ojale uh, comes in as well. The Warriors bring in some interesting pieces with Bialicha and Otto Porter. Uh, the Wizards signed Spencer Dinwiddie to a big contract. The Bulls are rebuilding Lonzo Ball. Uh, DeMar DeRozan, Caruso is there as well. The Spurs, they go uh, with an interesting signing of Zach Collins, Doug McDermott, Dougie Buckets, uh, Thaddeus Young, and Alfaruka Minu there as well. The Heat doing some interesting things, bringing in Kyle Lowry, as well as re-signing guys. P.J. Tucker signs there as well. So the NBA is off and running. It didn't take long. Uh, day one of free agency, day two of free agency, both have been filled with exciting signings. And now you're going to start getting down to the the nitpicking, finding the guys that fit the salaries and things like that as well. As we continue to watch kind of the rich get richer uh, to some degree. But uh, I'm intrigued by a couple of things. I'm intrigued by the Bulls and what they're doing. And it'll be interesting to see if this group of guys fit together. And uh, I'm also intrigued with the Spencer Dinwiddie signing in Washington. He's a guy that a lot of people have high hopes for, but coming off a major injury, um, never yet completely proven what he is in the NBA. And so that'll be interesting to see if he can build uh, there in Washington with Bradley Beal. Uh, outside of that, most everything's to some degree going as planned as far as at least the talent level signing with the certain teams and things like that. The Lakers, though, really intriguing signings. Uh, you know, Carmelo finally gets teamed up with LeBron. We all assumed this was going to happen last year, the year before. Didn't happen. Now he's there. Uh, but, uh, the average age, I think of the team is like 35 or 36. So, uh, it's going to be an interesting squad in LA. But if you got a team that has a healthy LeBron and a healthy Anthony Davis, you're going to compete, uh, no matter what the rest of your roster is. And I think LA will be dangerous again next year. Uh, on from basketball, on to football. Some interesting news coming out this week. Quinn Ewers, the, uh, supposed senior in Texas, uh, in high school. Uh, is forgoing his senior season and enrolling at Ohio State will be eligible to play this year and compete this year. I do not believe he will uh, get a a starting job this year at Ohio State. I do believe JT Shroud is going to be the guy there, and, uh, and I don't think there's a whole lot of controversy there unless Ewers comes in and it's just absolutely ridiculously phenomenal. Um, but that is interesting, and Dad, I think we're going to see some more of this over time, a high schooler that says, Hey, I can go and start making, you know, six digits right now. Um, okay. Why not? Right. Headed ahead that way. That's going to be a, an effect maybe of the name, image and likeness that, that people didn't think a whole lot about high schoolers jumping early to make money in college. Yeah, I think that's true. I, I know I hadn't really thought about it and you hadn't heard really anything about that, but there's no, um, Rule, rule. I mean, you've always had high school kids that could go ahead and start college earlier. Um, usually it was for academic reasons, not for sports reasons. But I mean, I knew people that did that actually way back a long time ago. So I uh, hadn't thought about that. And yeah, I'm sure the money is what's driving this um, a little bit. I think, you know, the average high schooler, you know, you'd be looking at the skill positions because if it is for money, That'd be the only ones probably. Um, but again, you know, Miami is supposed to be everybody that's on scholarship is going to, um, you know, get money from their source. And I've seen at least one or two coaches this week who have said that um, they feel like the money ought to be spread around on the team. Mm-hmm. And if that happens, then, you know, yeah, if you could get on the team, you'd be good. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, always for making some money, right? Um, uh, going on elsewhere in college football, we uh, are already pre-planned to do two conferences tonight, the Big 12 and the Pac-12, and it just so happens they were kind enough uh, to make the news today, uh, teaming up possibly together. Uh, the commissioners were joining together to discuss options for the future, whether it be just, as they put it, a schedule alliance um, or just a, a flat-out merger as well. The The Big 12 is in major danger right now when you're talking about Oklahoma and Texas leaving the conference. It puts the conference in a very, very tough spot. Some have said they'll lose 50% of their TV income when Texas leaves. So that's a big deal for the conference. And they've talked about bringing in some other schools, places like Cincinnati, those those types of schools. That's not going to help you in the long run for the Big 12. I think the best thing is to merge. Merge with the Pac-12 and uh, and just go ahead and, and be done with the Big 12 altogether. But... Um, We'll see what happens. Dad, any thoughts on this uh, teamwork happening possibly between the Pac-12 and the Big 12? Well, obviously the Big 12 has to do something. Um, what little I was reading today, um, I, I could see maybe I'm starting out with a scheduling agreement first because the, the Pac-12 you know, has a lot of history. And I think before they bring in a lot of other schools that traditionally aren't part of them, I think there'd have to be a lot of reasons to do that, and there probably is financially. But I think yeah. rather than just jumping into it, I could see them starting out at least for a year with scheduling just to kind of get a feel of it and see how it goes. Because uh, when you think of the Pac-12, while they, you know, there was times when you know they were the power, it was always going to be USC and somebody. Well, that hadn't been that way for a while now. And um, they're getting more balanced over there. But, you know, it has been pretty much all schools in the West. And I think there is a little identity there. I think some people wouldn't want to give that up. Um, I don't know that all the schools in the Big 12 uh, would fit in there. It would be interesting to see how the Big 12 handles it if they really try to put pressure on, hey, you need to take all of us, or if somebody can pick and choose and take um, – take some schools. And if they do that, to me, there's a couple of big 12 schools that fit in other conferences very well. Uh, a couple would fit in the big 10. Um, you know, some might fit in the SEC. And um, so it'd be interesting to see which way it goes. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> looking at the schools, I think I understand what you're saying. I think West Virginia is the only big question mark when it comes to merging with the PAC 12. And as far as just the travel and things like that go. Everybody else, you can say, fits fits over there. Yeah, they could fit in other conferences also, but it fits there. You talk about the history of the Pac-12 and maybe them taking this slow. The only thing that matters in college sports, especially football, is money. And if they can make money off of bringing in these schools, because you're going to have to share the money too. So if you have more teams, you got to share the money with more more people. But if they can make make a lot of money, they're going to do it. Um, it makes the most sense as well. The, the big 12, they're in trouble, but uh, outside of that, you know, it's, it's hard to say. And then we're going to talk more about alignment, uh, as the year goes on. And I'm sure we'll have plenty of time to discuss where teams should go and where they should end up and things like that. I still think the SEC is going to add 
another two schools at least. Notre Dame obviously is going to, if they go anywhere, it'll be to the ACC. And the way the layout is with the new playoff format that starts here in the next couple of years, they're going to have to join a conference. And they're kind of tied to the ACC because with other sports like the uh, track and field and those kinds of things, they're already in the ACC and they're under contract till 2036. So to get out of that contract is millions of dollars. So they won't do that. They'll stay in the ACC once they finally join the conference, in my personal uh, opinion. All right, Dad, let's get straight to it. We got, we got, we got things to get to. Uh, we're going to do the Big 12 first, then we're going to follow that up with the Pac-12 and uh, give our preview of the season for this team. The Big 12 is dying, but they're not dead yet. Uh, so we've got the teams in the Big 12, and uh, we, we've been doing our tiers. So, Dad, we're going to do that again today. Tier one is a national championship contender this year. Tier two is a conference championship contender this year. Tier three is a teams or universities that will be contenders within five years. Tier four is uh, teams that will be a contender one day, maybe. And then tier five is our Vanderbilt tier. I think that speaks for itself, uh, the Vanderbilt of the conference. Now, this is kind of weird because uh, some of these teams will not be in the conference in five years, but we'll pretend like they're in the conference for five years to get us there. I'll give you my tiers first, and then Dad will let you follow. Tier number one, national championship contender. I've got two teams in tier one this year in the Big 12, and that is the Oklahoma Sooners, Boomer Sooner, and the Iowa State University as well. Uh, I've got them in this year's possibility of contending for a national championship. Tier two, the conference championship contender. I've got one team that is Oklahoma State uh, as another, uh, the third team in the conference that I think could contend for the conference title. Then in tier three, a contender within five years, I've got three teams. They're all in the state of Texas. I've got the University of Texas, Texas Tech, and TCU. I'll explain some of this when we go through the teams in just a moment. Uh, but I've got all of them in tier three, tier four, the contenders one day, maybe West Virginia, Baylor and Kansas state are the three teams I have in tier number four. And then tier five, the Vanderbilt tier is Kansas. Uh, they'll be lucky to win a game this year, let alone in the next three years. So, uh, those are my tiers, dad. What are you, what's your breakdown of the tiers for the big 12? Well, the national championship, I have one team, and that's OU. Um, like I said, Boomer Sooner, I think they're going to be a very big contender. Uh, conference champions, I just have one team, which is Iowa State. I think they'll be very good, but I don't see them as a national championship contender. But um, I think they'll be the other team that would vie for the conference championship. Um, and to be good in within five years, I have four teams. I have Texas, have Oklahoma State, I have TCU, and I have West Virginia um, there. And then um, maybe I have three. I have Kansas State, Baylor, and Texas Tech. And the Vandy team is also University of Kansas. <laughs> Our friend Kevin Wilson from Belly Up Fantasy says Kansas is in Tier 6. Uh, so, so he's in the... Conference USA tier, I guess. Um, but, uh, not, not even qualifying for the Vanderbilt tier, uh, there nonetheless. I had a poll out this week on Twitter. We put one out before each, uh, college football preview episode. This week's, uh, poll question was, who is the best team this year 
in the state of Texas here from the Big 12. So we had Baylor, TCU, Texas, and Texas Tech. Baylor wins the poll, 32%. It was a very widespread poll, 32% for Baylor, 28% said TCU, 20% said Texas, and the other 20% said Texas Tech. Um, I'm going to disagree with that greatly. We'll do that here as we look through the teams uh, here in the Big 12. So, Dad, let's start at the top with Oklahoma. Oklahoma's coached by Lincoln Riley. He's 45-8 and eight as the head coach of the Oklahoma Sooners. They've got Heisman hopeful Spencer Rattler as their quarterback. My thoughts with Oklahoma is there's no excuses this year. It's talented, and it's a relatively easy schedule for Oklahoma as well. They've got great depth at, at the playmaker positions, and uh, needed improvement is, uh, as I say, their defense, but in this sense, they're a good defense, but they need to be a special defense. And the Big 12 historically has been um, – lacking when it comes to the defense has been more high scoring uh, conference but if Oklahoma is going to contend for a national championship they're going to have to have a good defense if not a great defense uh, there as well so that's kind of where uh, I put them uh, at as well they got a win total this year at 11 wins they of course play 12 games before I give my prediction dad your thoughts on Oklahoma well again I think they're very strong I definitely think they're uh, the class of the conference, and um, I think they have a shot at the national championship. Again, my theme as we go through this is going to be a team that has a real chance if they have good coaching. And, of course, Lincoln Riley, I think, has proved he's one of the best. They recruit extremely well. They have a lot of talent. Um, 11 wins is probably right because, unfortunately, OU seems to overstub their toe at least once somewhere down the line. But um, they're going to be very hard to beat, and I think they could be a real factor in the national championship. I think you just answered my question, but with a win total of 11 and 12 games on the schedule, uh, do you have them winning 11 games then? Um, like I said, just historically, I mean, you could easily say they're going to win all 12, but OU always – Struggles a little bit. They have some big rivalry games. Um, the one with Texas, you know, the Red River shootout, they've played it um, back and forth. And you got teams that, you know, last year the game they lost was Kansas State. So um, people are going to gear up for them. And, um, you know, Lincoln Riley is going to have them ready to play every week to go undefeated. Hi, I'm Grace, and I'm an indie vet. I'm also home from work at 6 and already transformed into a princess. Mommy, put on your crown. That's because I've got complete control of my schedule, plenty of shifts that fit my life, and a team like no other. It's a whole new way to vet. Indie Vets. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bedsheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bedsheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible. Signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22.
Yeah, Dad, you're not politically correct. It's no longer the Red River Shootout. That's too violent. Uh, so it's not called that anymore. But uh, nonetheless, it is the Red River Shootout. And I'm predicting 12 wins from Oklahoma this this year. I think they do go undefeated. They have an incredibly talented team. Now, injuries and COVID obviously could play a role in that. But uh, generally speaking, just looking at it where it is right now, it makes sense for Oklahoma to win out. It will not be easy. There, there will be some tough games. But overall, their schedule is easy. I think it, at the end of the day, it's going to be easy for them to focus on those big games and pull it off with 12 wins. Next up is Iowa State. Head coach Matt Campbell, 35-28 and 28 as the head coach there at Iowa State. They bring back quarterback Brock Purdy. Seems like he's been around for a while, and he's back again this year. There's high expectations for Iowa State this year. But not only are there high expectations, they're actually real expectations. They make sense for this team. They have an incredible offensive line. The question is, can they balanced offense be a little bit more explosive? They've done a great job of running the ball, passing the ball, being very balanced along the way, but they have not been an explosive offense. So can they up the offense a little bit. Their needed improvement is in the secondary. They're not bad, but they're not great. And again, when you're talking about competing for the conference title as well as for the national title, you can't get a buy with, with someone mediocre. And so the secondary has to get better this year. Their win total is nine and a half games. Dad, I've got them winning 10 this year. What are your thoughts on Iowa State? Um, I, I think, you know, they very easily could win 10 again. Like you said, they're going to have to come together. They have good coaching. Uh, but again, we're going to talk about a few schools here that, you know, everyone's going to shoot at the top teams. And, um, you know, if they lost a couple games that you'd say, well, they probably will win. But when you look at Oklahoma State, TCU, Texas, you know, I mean, those are all schools that can play with them for sure. But again, this might be the year Iowa State just takes a step that it looks like they're ready to take and uh, do well. Yeah, you know, I've got them at 10 wins. That has them losing to uh, Oklahoma as well as one other team along the way. The win against Oklahoma changes everything, right? That's where they get into national championship contender status, which I had them in tier one. Because I think it's a possibility that they do uh, win games they're not supposed to win this year, which could bump them up to 11 wins uh, as well. But I've got them at 10 wins. That's my prediction for them. Next up is Texas. Texas is the uh, horns down, by the way. Uh, I'm sorry to offend all you Texas people. But uh, Texas is one of these programs where they bring in a new head coach, Steve Sarkeesian. Um, they always have high expectations, yet they've not met those expectations for a long time. For for a couple of years now, they've had a quarterback that was supposed to be phenomenal, and they still couldn't win the big games when it came down to it. So now they're looking at one of two quarterbacks, Casey Thompson or the redshirt freshman uh, Hudson Card is competing for that job as well. It's not an easy first year for Coach Sarkeesian, but there is opportunity for a very, very fast turnaround for Texas. Sarkeesian can recruit. Um, I think he can coach, especially when it comes to the offense. And so I think Texas could get turned around pretty fast. And I think they'll do okay this year. The big question for Texas is can the run game be dynamic? Um, they, they, they're going to have to be able to punch the ball a little bit and they're going to need the run game to do that. They've had some great running backs in the past. The needed improvement is the defense getting behind the line of scrimmage, getting tackles for losses. Texas has not been great at that recently. They need to improve their push on 
defense. The win total this year for Texas is set at eight wins. Dad, your thoughts on the Longhorns? Um, again, I think, you know, I'm not necessarily a big fan of their coach, but he is a good coach. Um, you know, Texas has a lot of tradition, a lot of pride, and um, I think there's a good chance he'll get things uh, going there. Probably eight games would be a really, really good season for them. Um, a definite improvement over the last several years, but even though their standards would be much higher than that. Yeah, eight wins is the win total, and I looked through the schedule, and that's exactly where I have them at. Eight wins for Texas this year I think would be a successful year for the first year Steve Sarkeesian, and that would give help in recruiting to build for next year as well. Um, I don't think eight wins is anything to be upset about if you're a Texas fan this season. That will change, though, in the seasons ahead. Next up is the Cowboys of Oklahoma State. Mike Gundy's been there forever, and he's a man, just in case you were wondering. Uh, 137 wins, 67 losses in his time in Oklahoma State. He's got a junior quarterback in Spencer Sanders. A great season last year uh, while still underachieving on offense, and they've got a stacked defense they do this year. The big question for Oklahoma State is can they contend and can the offense perform to the level of the defense? The defense can only carry you so far, especially in the Big 12. You're going to have to have an offense that gets rolling. Their needed improvement is their run game consistency. They've had some issues with that in the past where they have some great games and some poor games along the way. The win total for Oklahoma State is 7.5 this season. Dad, your thoughts on the Cowboys from Stillwater? Um, I think, you know, seven and a half probably is about right, eight wins or so. Historically, Oklahoma State is a team that'll win one they shouldn't win, um, and they'll lose two that they shouldn't lose. And um, that may be about the way it is. There's some other teams, I think, getting better in the conference, and um, that could give them, like I said, that could give them a couple more losses. But, again, I think eight wins, um, that would be a, a good season. Uh, even though they probably want more than that, they'll probably have a lot of motivation with this whole OU thing going um, to the SEC. So um, I, I think Oklahoma State will really jump up because I think they will, they'll want to need want to and need to show people they belong in a big conference. Yeah, it's surprising Oklahoma was so scared of Oklahoma State that they're leaving the conference. But, uh, yeah, Oklahoma, I'm just kidding, Sooners fans. Um, Oklahoma State, uh, I think this year they've got a team to compete. I had them in Tier 2 as a team that could compete for the conference this year. I've got them at nine wins, um, and that's winning some games that they're not maybe not supposed to. But uh, if they win two games they're not supposed to, next thing you know, they're competing for a playoff spot as well. So I've got Oklahoma State at nine wins and third in the conference. Uh, next up is TCU. Gary Patterson, just like Mike Gundy, has been around for a long time at the same place. 178 wins, 74 losses. They've got Matt Dugan, Max Dugan as their quarterback this year. Uh, thoughts on TCU? They've won five of their last six. They finished the year phenomenal last year, and they have an incredible offensive line. Uh, to go with that. The big question mark is, does experience lead to contending for TCU? They have an experienced team this year that ended well last year, so there's going to be this expectation, I guess, that they'll do better this year. Needed improvement is consistency on offense, and they need a run game other than their quarterback. If you depend on your quarterback, and in college you can do this more than you can in the NFL, but 
if your quarterback is your leading rusher, um, that's a problem. You're going to need to find uh, more pieces to the puzzle than that. And uh, so they're going to need to improve on that as well. TCU, their win total is at seven and a half games. Dad, your thoughts on TCU? I think they could be a little bit of a surprise in the conference. I think they could win nine games and be right in the hunt. Again, an experienced team means a lot. A good coach means a lot. They have been heading in the right direction. Uh, I know they've turned, you know, putting players in the NFL and, um, I, I think there'd be a chance this could be one of the teams that'd be a little bit of a surprise as far as being a contender at the end. Well, they got brought up by a Texas politician this week when talking to the Texas president. Um, and they said, we've been winning just not like we'd like to. And the lady said, well, three and seven against TCU. Uh, so I'm not sure that that's going to be helping them too much as there will be some motivation uh, from some schools to beat TCU this year. I've got them at seven wins. They got an interesting schedule this year. And uh, to me, it kind of it kind of takes them a step backwards from the momentum they had going last year. I don't think they're a bad team, but I just don't see them getting over seven wins this season. That brings us to another Texas team, Texas Tech. Their head coach is Matt Wells. He's 8-14 and 14 in his time there at Texas Tech. Uh, then, uh, let's see, their quarterback is the Oregon transfer, Tyler Schoff. They've uh, got a good O-line. They've got a quarterback with promise, and they've got an above-average defense. The big question is, 11 of their top 13 tacklers are returning. Can that defense take a step forward? You would think so. 11 of your top 13 tacklers coming back you would think that means that the defense is going to get better. It's amazing because in the Big 12, we don't talk about defense a lot. But each of these teams, if you want to be a legit contender, you have to be good at defense. Um, the needed improvement is defensive big plays and stops. They just didn't get stops when they needed them last year. But this team is an interesting team, and bringing in this quarterback from Oregon makes them even more intriguing. Dad, you're not high on Texas Tech, and neither is Las Vegas. They've got the win total at four and a half games. Uh, just you get anything on Texas Tech? Um, again, like you said, they have brought in some good players, but their coach would definitely be one that's on the hot seat. There's a lot of pressure there. And, um, you know, when you get in that situation, um, it's not hard for things to go south. And I'm just not sure Texas Tech will make a, a, a big move um, this year. Like I said, they do have brought in some players. So I think there'll be some expectations that they need to be a lot better than they have been. But again, I think there's other teams that are stronger and I think Texas Tech um, will have trouble. Well, I then might surprise you. I've got Texas Tech at seven wins this year. That's two and a half above their win total. Their schedule is one that there's winnable games and, uh, and they're just going to have to win one or two that maybe most people don't expect them to. I think their offense is going to be too good to stop. And for that reason, I'm going to give them a couple extra wins. So I've got them at seven wins this year, the same number I had for TCU. That brings us to the bottom of four, at least in my opinion, of the conference. Kansas State head coach Chris Kleiman. He's 12-11 and 11 since his time at Kansas State. Their quarterback, Skylar Thompson, returns from injury from last year. They've got a tough schedule. they got a solid run game and a very good defensive secondary the big question for Kansas State is can the transfers make a big impact? They've got some guys that came in that should help them improve, but they're going to need to step up big time to make a difference at Kansas State this season. The needed improvement for Kansas State is the defensive front seven. The secondary's good. Everybody else struggled. So 
Can they make a difference there? Can they improve as well? Five and a half is the win total for Kansas State. I've got them only at three wins this season. I think the bottom of the Big 12 is really going to struggle, and I've got Kansas State down there at three wins. Next up is West Virginia. Head coach Neil Brown from just down the road from where I live uh, is where he was at before. But 11-11 as head coach at West Virginia. Has not met expectations there yet. Uh, Jarrett Doeg is the quarterback. He uh, he has a, uh, some issues of his own, but one thing is he protects the football. He does not turn the football over. They've got an outstanding defense, but the offense needs to pull their weight. They've yet to do that. The big question is, can they replace the defenders that transferred? They lost some important pieces up front for West Virginia. Their needed improvement is the run game and the offensive line consistency. They've really struggled in those areas under Neil Brown. Their win total is at six and a half. I've got them going under at four games this season, uh, which would be a huge disappointment and probably put Neil Brown at the top of the hot seat list in the Big 12 as well. Baylor is the next team. Dave Aranda is there two and seven as a head coach at Baylor. They've got a quarterback battle going on between Jacob Zeno and uh, Jerry Bohannon. The thoughts on Baylor is a new coach with no time because of COVID really hurt this team last year. They could not get going. They struggled mightily. And uh, because of that, it, it, it wasn't pretty, <laughs> needless to say, for the Baylor Bears. But the defense was not bad, and they should improve this year. The big question is, uh, the great receivers that they have on this team, who's going to throw them the football? Uh, they're going to need a quarterback that's going to be able to get the ball to Baylor. Baylor's had dynamic offenses in the past, but can they get it going now? They've kind of transitioned under the new coach to a little bit of a different style. The needed improvement is the run game for Baylor. I've got them at four wins. Their win total is at five and a half. I've got them under there as well at four wins. And then Kansas finishes us out in the Big 12. Head coach Lance Leopold comes over from Buffalo. Um, they've got a interesting battle going on at quarterback as well. They've got a redshirt senior in Miles Kendrick. they got a sophomore in Jason Daniels. And they got a North Texas transfer in Jason Bean. I uh, could not get any good information on who's starting or who's leading that battle at Kansas right now. This team is just simply not good. There's not talent there. Uh, there's very little to build on, and uh, they're going to start at the ground and work their way up, or at least try to. The big question I have for Kansas is, will they win one game? Uh, their schedule's not easy. Uh, they're not a good team. Can they even get one uh, win out of the season? Needed improvement is the offensive line. They allowed 5.22 sacks and 11 tackles uh, for loss per game last season, and that's not going to get it done uh, even against the future defenses of the Big 12. Their win total is at one and a half. We've got them at one win. I honestly don't know what that one win will be. I just have to think they're going to get one out of, <laughs> out of the season as well uh, here. Dad, any thoughts on those last four teams, Kansas State, West Virginia, Baylor, Kansas? Well, I, again, I think, you know, Baylor's a team that's easy to cheer for because they've come up and done well, but um, – you know, when their coach went to the NFL, um, you know, they've, they've struggled. I think those are the bottom four teams. I think Kansas State's probably the best of those four. but I And they could jump ahead of West Virginia, but I don't know. Yeah, it's an interesting, you know, and again, in that poll that we ran, Baylor won the poll as, as the most, the best Texas team in the conference. I've got them as the worst Texas team in the conference, and maybe I'm wrong, but let's face it, 
That doesn't happen very often. No, maybe, maybe it happens more than, more than not. But nonetheless, uh, that's the way I have it shaken out. So, uh, my rundown for the Big 12 and then dad will get yours. Uh, at least at the top, I've got Oklahoma at first, Iowa State at second, uh, Oklahoma State third, Texas four, and then TCU and Texas Tech, uh, tied for fifth. Uh, who you got at the top of the Big 12? I know Oklahoma's one for you. I have Oklahoma first, Iowa State, then I have TCU, Texas, and Oklahoma State. All right. That's the Big 12 while it still exists. The preview of the Big 12 from the Sports Stove Podcast. Dad, before we get to the Pac-12, I just want to remind our friends that today's episode is presented by Skull Candy and Yeti Coolers. Uh, we've got links provided for you in the video description for both of these fine establishments. Skull Candy is going to provide you the best listening experience you can have to the Sports Stove podcast. You go on uh, using the link that we've posted for you and find yourself a new uh, set of earbuds or headphones so that you can listen uh, with a better experience to the Sports Stove podcast. Yeti Coolers, they now have luggage. That's right. Not just coolers, not just drinkware, but luggage. And you can find that with the link that is provided for you for Yeti uh, there. And you have your travel ready as we round out the summer and get ready for school starting up very soon. Speaking of school, let's go to the Pac-12, where I think they actually attend class uh, as compared to the ACC. And um, with the Pac-12, Dad, let's look at our tiers and how those are breaking, breaking down. I'll let you go first. Your five tiers, national championship contenders, tier one. Tier two, conference championship contender. Tier three is contender within five years. Tier four, contender one day, maybe. And then tier five is the Vanderbilt tier, uh, who is the Vanderbilt of the conference. All right, Dad, Pac-12 tiers. All right, a national champion. I do not have anybody coming out of the Pac-12 there. The conference champion, I think there's five teams that could fight it out for that. You have Oregon, USC, Washington, Arizona State and Utah all could have a shot there, and they may um, beat each other up a little bit, and then it could really be close. So uh, maybe in five years, I think you have Cal, who's getting better, UCLA, can't believe they'll be down forever, Washington State and Stanford, and then the maybes. Uh, maybe someday Colorado will be back up. Oregon State was good there for a while, but maybe – and Arizona, and um, I don't have anybody in the Vanderbilt tier. Arizona maybe could have gone there, but again, I, you know, it's hard to believe. We've talked about it. The so schools out west, in Arizona. How can you not recruit kids to come to those places? And um, they should be able to. All right, so our tiers are a little bit different. I too have zero teams in tier one. I don't think any team from the Pac-12 is going to compete for a national championship this year. Oregon is the closest one, uh, and to some degree, I guess, but, um, and they may have the potential, but at the same time, to me, it's just not good enough team this year to compete for the national championship. So I have three teams in tier two conference championship contenders. That is Oregon, Washington, and Arizona State. Then I've got, uh, in tier three, a contender within the next five years. And they might be faster than five years, of course, but I've got USC, Utah, Colorado, who you had down further, Stanford and UCLA. I'll explain all this a little bit again as we're going through the teams, the, the, the things that I think are beneficial for these teams. Tier four contender one day, maybe I've got Cal, Washington State, 
And Arizona, and I questioned Arizona on this one, but I think with the coaching staff they've brought in, they are going to build a team. It's just going to take time uh, where they are. They've got Jed Fish, their their head coach, coming from the NFL. They've got Pete Carroll's son as the offensive coordinator. I think they're going to be able to recruit and build a team there at Arizona. Tier 5, the Vanderbilt tier, I've got Oregon State in there at the end of the day. I don't think Oregon State's going to build back up. There's not a name there. It's not a brand. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, and I just think that at the end of the day, they're they're just going to be at the bottom feeder until Kansas comes over into the Pac-12. Uh, Oregon State will be in that bottom uh, tier, at least in my opinion. All right, Dad, let's go to the uh, teams here. We're going to start off with the North Division in the Pac-12 Oregon Ducks uh, here, Mario Cristobal, the head coach. He's 25 and 10 as the head coach at Oregon. Uh, their quarterback this year is going to be Anthony Brown. They have an experienced offensive line, talented skill players, a great run game, and a pretty good pass rush. The big question I have for Oregon this year is when it comes to the quarterback, is he going to be elite? And I just don't think he is. And that's why I don't have them as national championship contenders. I don't think the quarterback's the guy that's going to get them there. Needed improvement is the secondary. They need to, to force some turnovers. They've not done great with that, and they've got to improve on that as well. And honestly, the Pac-12, I think they're pretty solid. I think there's some really solid teams in the Pac-12 this year, and I think it's going to be a hard a hard run for Oregon this year within the conference. Their win total is at nine set out by Vegas. Dad, your thoughts on the Oregon Ducks? Um, again, you know, they've got history and I think they have potential, um, to be a good team. Question is, um, how are they going to do? They start the season, they'll get thrashed by Ohio state. Where are they going to be at mentally from there? Um, I know they can probably bounce back against Stony Brook. They'll have a chance there, <laughs> but, um, I, I, you know, I don't think Oregon's in the right spot. And I think you're going to have some of these other teams start strong and get com- confidence and um, they they could go to Eugene and win. Yeah, there's some good, like I said, some good teams this year. Uh, I've got Oregon at 10 wins, though. I got them over their win total of nine. I think that they're a good enough team to still get to 10. And, uh, you know, to this point, we've never seen a two-loss team make it into the playoffs. Maybe that changes. But uh, Oregon, 10 wins is my prediction for them. And then is Washington. Washington has made some interesting runs as of late. Jimmy Lake, his second year as the head coach, he was 3-1 and one in year one. Only four games played last year. Their quarterback is Dylan Morris. They've got the best defense in the conference and maybe the best offensive line as well. This is a confident team. We've talked about that already. Dad, you talked about confidence just a second ago. This Washington team believes that they are the best in the division and the best in the conference as well. They've got uh, some questions, though. Wide receiver depth. They don't have great wide receiver depth, and they also have to replace cornerback Elijah Molden, who was a big piece for them last year. Needed improvement is protecting the football. You can't win games if you don't protect the ball. Their win total is also at nine. I have them going over as well. I've got them at 10 wins as well, competing for the division uh, title against Oregon. Uh, Dad, your thoughts with Washington? I think um, they could get 10 wins. There's no doubt about it. I think an issue with them may be a little bit like Oregon. Um, how can they do with the Big Ten? Now, I think they'll, they got a really, really good chance to beat Michigan, but they've got a good out of conference game too. Uh, and I think, you know, 
how these teams start in the first two or three games um, could really dictate how well they play and with confidence in the conference. Yeah, that's a great point there by Dad. Uh, how they get started is going to make a big impact on how they finish out the season because starting bad can be a problem. Uh, it can really hurt your confidence moving forward, and then playing a tough schedule doesn't help that either. So I've got Washington and Oregon both with 10 wins going over their win totals of nine. Next up on the list is Stanford. Stanford's head coach is David Shaw. He has 90 wins. 36 losses uh, in his time at Stanford. Their quarterback this year is Tanner McKee. Um, they have no opponents outside of the Power Five. We got to get that one. There we go. Uh, they have no opponents outside of Power Five conferences this year. Stanford does not. So that's going to be interesting. That doesn't mean that every team they're playing is hard, but they don't have those uh, traditional non-conference uh, cupcake games scheduled. They have a very powerful defense. The big question is, can the offense get clicking? Their needed improvement is a pass rush. Even though they have a powerful defense, getting to the quarterback has not been their best uh, key or their best uh, action so far in recent years. Their win total this year surprised me, Dad. It was at four wins for Stanford. Stanford should be better than four wins. Your thoughts on David Shaw's Stanford team? Um, you're right. Stanford should be better than that. But again, you know, we talk about the teams in the conference, if they're getting better, um, you know, you get teams, are they going to be able to just walk through Cal and uh, some of the teams um, there, uh, the other California teams, how well can they compete with them? And uh, that'll be the key. You're right. Stanford usually recruits well. They should be able to and should be better, but maybe they'll be a down this year. I don't know. I think they're up this year. I, I, this might be a surprise. Again, we've done this with almost every conference where I say maybe I'm wrong because I think so differently than everybody else on this, but uh, I don't know. I don't think that I am. I've got Stanford at eight wins this season, which would be far better than what their expectations are from the outside, at least looking in. And uh, I just I think Stanford has the talent to get it done this year, at least to get to eight wins. Next up is Cal. They've got Justin Wilcox as their head coach. He's 21 and 21 in his time there with Cal. Uh, their quarterback, Chase Garber, returns from injury. Their defense will have to do the heavy lifting because the big question is, can they score points? Can they get points on the board? Too often than not, they're scoring under 20 points a game, and uh, that's not going to work. Their needed improvement is the pass game with Chase Garber coming back from injury. Uh, that should help to some degree, but again, he wasn't great before either. Their win total is set at six. I've got them winning seven this year. I think their schedule allows that seven wins uh, on the season. Any thoughts on Cal? Again, I think Cal should definitely be a bowl team, whether it be six or seven wins. Uh, I'm not sure. And again, you know, if they win that game they're not supposed to, it puts them in a different category. Otherwise, they're probably just down qualifying for a bowl. Yeah, the bottom two teams in the north, I've got Washington State and Oregon State. Washington State's head coach, Nick Rolovic, is one and three, his second year now at Washington State. They've got a quarterback battle between the sophomore, Jaden Delora, and then the transfer from Tennessee, Jarrett Garantano, is there as well. 
they had a shortened season last year, and it really didn't tell us anything about what Washington State is going to be moving forward. The big question is, can the offense take advantage of a strong run game? Their needed improvement is the pass game. Jared Garantano, we watched him at Tennessee, Dad. Um, you know, he's he's got some talent there, but he's never been able to put it together totally there at Tennessee. Maybe a move out west helps. I don't know. Their win total is six. I've got them going under at five wins for Washington State. For Oregon State, uh, their head coach is Jonathan Smith. This is his last year at Oregon State. That's just my prediction. Uh, he's nine and 20 as head coach at Oregon State. They've got a quarterback in Tristian uh, uh, Gabia. Then they've got a tough schedule. A down program compared to the rest of the division does not help them either. The big question is, can they get the pass rush to help the secondary? Because you know, Dad, if you don't have a pass rush, your secondary eventually is going to break. You cannot hold without a pass rush. Their needed improvement is the downfield plays and their third down efficiency. And uh, if they can get the chains moving, their win total is at four and a half. I've got them at two wins. Um, Dad, any big disagreement with my thoughts with Washington State and Oregon State? No, I think you're about right, about right on on that. I think they're at the bottom um, of that division. All right, let's move to the South then. Uh, really interesting South division this year. And let's start with USC. Clay Hilton, the head coach, he's 45 and 23. They've got the uh, quarterback of Kedden uh, Slovis. Then they've got an easy schedule for a Pac-12 schedule. and uh, But this is not their best team, their most talented team that they've had either. The big question is, can the line, uh, the O-line help, uh, excuse me, the D-line, can it help their secondary as well? That's, again, that situation where when the D-line isn't doing this job, it's going to hurt the secondary long-term. Needed improvement is the offensive line. The run game was last in the Pac-12 last year. They had under 100 yards per game rushing. That will not work, but I expect it to improve. That's just the area they need to improve. Their win total is at eight and a half. USC is a big name. Uh, lots of big famous players have come from USC, but at the end of the day, they have underperformed. Dad, your thoughts on USC this year? I think, you know, they're improving. I don't think they're back to where they were yet. Um, I think you're looking at their schedule. Um, and thinking some other teams are going to be better this year, I think probably eight and a half, uh, probably nine wins would be really good for them, and I don't know that they'll get there. I'm going to disagree with you. I got nine wins for USC this year uh, as well. Eight and a half is the win total. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they go under nine. It would surprise me if they go over nine, but I've got them at nine wins looking at the schedule they have. Like I said, it's a relatively easy schedule for them this year, and so nine wins is attainable. Uh, and would lead to positive movement for next year as well. Uh, that brings us to Arizona State. Head coach Herm Edwards, he's 17 and 13 in his time there at Arizona State. Their quarterback is Jaden Daniels. He needs to improve his accuracy. They like him, but he's not super accurate. I believe 55% completion percentage last year. Uh, they don't have to play Oregon this year, which is going to help them in the regular season. The pass game and the defensive front gives them a shot at the division and ultimately at the conference as well. The big question is the defense uh, last year was a bend and not break. Can they do that again? Will they not break this year? Uh, will they improve? Will they get better and uh, and improve that defense as well? They gave up a lot of yards, but not a lot of scoring. But eventually, if you give up the, those yards, it's going to come back to hurt you. The needed improvement is the offensive line. It was good, but it needs to be great 
to compete in the division, to compete for the the, the conference, they got to be better at offensive line. Their win total is nine, and Dad, I've got them at eleven wins this season. High expectations for a team that could challenge not just the division but the conference in the Pac-12. Your thoughts on Herm Edwards's Arizona State team? Well, I mean, I really like Herm Edwards. I think leadership has a lot to do on a team. I would think he really has his team going in the right direction. Like you said, the quarterback needs to be more accurate. Um, but I think 10 or 11 wins is attainable, and I think um, it's definitely easy to look at them winning the South. All right, that brings us to Utah. Kyle Whittingham, head coach out there. He's been there for a while now. 134 wins, 66 losses in his time in Utah. They've got Charlie Brewer from Baylor. Uh, he has a lot of good experience as quarterback and uh, could be helpful for him this year. This is a sneaky good team, and they might be the surprise team in all of college football, honestly. They've got uh, some transfers. They've lost some, and they've gained some. So the big question is, is what effect will that have on this team, both the new guys coming in and the losses that they had as well? New improvement for Utah is the secondary. Their win total is at 8.5, Dad. I've got them competing this year in the division. I've got them at 9 wins, which would put them second in the division. Uh, behind Arizona State and tied with USC. Uh, but Utah is an interesting team. I know you have some hope or some promise for them in the years ahead. Your thoughts with Utah? Yeah, I, I think they could be the surprise because I think they're going in the right direction. They did get a new um, quarterback. And I think, you know, we've talked about the confidence is everything. And I think Utah is getting more confident. They're going to be able to walk in against somebody, any team in the conference and um, think they have a good shot at winning. And um, yeah, I think nine wins you know, would be attainable. Nine, you know, 10 would be really good. Uh, that would be good, yeah. UCLA is the next team head coach is Chip Kelly and his return to college football. He's 10 and 21 in his time at UCLA. The quarterback, Dorian Thompson Robinson, has been there since day one of the Chip Kelly era. This is Chip Kelly's fourth year. That means his recruits make up the most of the team and it's their time to prove it. Uh, you know, so there's no more excuses of, well, our, we're rebuilding and we've got a, you know, we've got the old players and stuff like that. Now this is Chip Kelly's team now. It's the players that he's brought in. Now he's got to do something with them. Big question for UCLA is can they put it all together? They've got a fairly stout defense, and they've got an experienced offense. The question is, does that does that turn into wins, especially in the Pac-12? The biggest need for improvement is just general consistency all around for UCLA. Their win total is seven. I've got them going under at six wins this year, still being bowl eligible but maybe the last year of the Chip Kelly era in UCLA. Dad, has, has uh, Chip Kelly underachieved, or is it still too early to say? No, I think he's underachieved. And like you said, this is a big year when he's got his players in the Chip Kelly era, and I hope they can make the, make the bowl, but that could be tough. I do not cheer for Chip Kelly, so I'd hope they don't make the bowl but nonetheless i've got them at six wins and uh and there as well colorado an interesting team last year they brought in a new head coach carl durrell he's four and two last season uh, in a surprise uh out of colorado out of boulder they bring in a uh transfer from tennessee at quarterback jt shrout uh, shrout and they also have a second year freshman brandon lewis 
who will be fighting for the job there. They don't have that one set yet. This Colorado team has a respectable defense and a great run game, but they've got a very tough schedule. I think Colorado is a team to watch in the coming years. I think they get better. I think they improve. I think their recruiting gets better as well. And overall, I think you'll see them rise over the next three to four years. Big question, though, for Colorado is the quarterback. Otherwise, the offense looks really good, but they got to have a quarterback that can lead the way. J.T. Shrout could never just win the job outright at Tennessee. Uh, Brendan Lewis had sat the bench last year, and so they're going to have to figure out who's going to run run the show for Colorado. The needed improvement is the defense. They weren't bad, but a step or two forward makes them contenders in the division. Uh, I don't think they're contenders for the conference just yet, but I think that day is coming. Their win total is at four and a half wins. I've got them winning six games this year, even in the tough schedule. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna need to win those non conference games and then steal a game or two as well, but. To me, Colorado's just pointed the right direction. And when you got a program going the right direction, that, that tends to carry over a bit. So I've got them at six wins. Any thought on Colorado? Um, again, I mean, I'm, I'm all for them getting better and I think they could be going in the right direction. Um, but I don't know that they'll get to six wins from there. Um, I mean, you know, your, your predictions are interesting, but if they get six wins and Stanford gets eight wins, boy, it's going to change something at the top. <laughs> yes, it will. Yes, it will. Winning those non-conference games, winning those games against the uh, the lesser of your division, those kinds of things are important for teams like Colorado and Stanford. That brings us to the last team, which is Arizona. They got a new head coach in Jed Fish who comes over from the NFL. Like I said earlier, Pete Carroll's son is the offensive coordinator. So they've got some big names at the very least there at Arizona. They've got a quarterback controversy, a quarterback competition going on. Will Plummer, who played most of last year, uh, he's, he's there still. Washington State transfer Gunnar Cruz comes in and South Florida transfer Jordan McLeod there as well. So a three-way battle for quarterbacks right now. They are uh, in a rebuild, and it's beginning right now. It's going to get ugly this year for Arizona, but I really think there's going to be improvement for them in the years to come as well as they have opportunities to build their team and their program. The big question is how long will the rebuild take? Uh, will they, Can they do it in three or four years, or is it going to take longer than that? And then the needed improvement is just simply talent level. They got to get some recruits in this, in this program this year. It's just not pretty. Their win total is at two and a half. I've got them sitting at two wins. I'm more confident that Arizona wins two than I am that Kansas wins one. Uh, but nonetheless, I think that, uh, that Arizona is set to win two, two games this year, but then you'll start seeing that talent influx come. I think they'll use the transfer portal to their advantage as well. I think Arizona will build up from there. Dad, any thoughts on the Wildcats? No, like I said, I think they're at the bottom of the conference, but they have a chance um, to make a move. And if they can win two games, they, they may sneak one more out, but that's probably about right. All right. So in the north, I've got Washington and Oregon finishing with 10 wins. I've got in the south, uh, Arizona State winning the south with 11 wins. I've got Arizona State winning the conference this year. In the Pac-12, there will be tough competition, USC and Utah within their own division, and then Oregon-Washington on the other side as well. Um, how do you see it shaking out in the Pac-12 this year? 
Um, I, I think your championship game will probably be Washington and Arizona State. And I think I'd love to see Herm Edwards win it. And, again, the dark horse team, I think, is Utah. All right. Very good. Very good. So that's the Pac-12 and the Big 12. Feel free to share your thoughts with us uh, on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube, uh, wherever you're seeing this video. You can also, of course, uh, reach out on Twitter at Sports Stove. Uh, there as well. Thursday's our next episode, 8 o'clock uh, p.m. Eastern Time Live. We are previewing the SEC, and that'll be our last conference that we're previewing. Dad, we'll probably talk about Notre Dame a little bit um, and maybe some other just random teams out there that could have good years, but we'll be previewing the SEC conference. That'll wrap up our college football preview. Then we dive into the NFL starting next week and uh, breaking down the team's NFL. When we do the NFL breakdown, uh, we're going to look at each division, we're going to look at each team, and we're going to look at fantasy uh, uh, prospects there as well uh, for the NFL season also. Dad, any other comments for tonight? Um, well, no, but it would be interesting to see if we have any other big news by Thursday. Um, we talk about the realignment, and you've got the Big 12 and the Pac-12 talking. I, I don't see the Big 10 sitting still. I don't see the SEC getting 16 teams and another conference with 16 or more teams and the Big Ten staying there. Uh, if they if they ever want to add more teams, this is going to be the opportunity to do it. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if in the near future uh, we start hearing about the Big Ten courting teams or teams making overtures to head there. And um, I, I just don't see them all of a sudden being the small conference um, of the big three. Good point. Yep. And we'll continue to keep our ears to the ground on that and what all happens with all the alignment and stuff. There's rumors going everywhere right now, but they are simply just that rumors indeed. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Night Sports Stove podcast. We will be back next week. Tuesday and uh, very soon we've got an announcement to make about uh, some programming things as well so stay tuned for those things follow us on Twitter at Sports Stove you can down, uh, subscribe on YouTube the Sports Stove podcast uh, there as well thank you so much for tuning in tonight and until next time we'll see you around the Sports Stove